Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio Show 343, using advocates and champions networks to drive engagement. So today we're going to be talking about our guest Bank's experience of using advocates and champions uh, to drive understanding, awareness and engagement with change. And we're going to talk about it in light of the current situation. We're recording this at the end of April, or rather it's live at the end of April, but if you're listening in the future, that's when we uh, did the show. And uh, I haven't been here since the end of March, so uh, things have changed quite considerably since the, the last show that I did. So we'll obviously be addressing the current situation as well as talking more generally. I'm Joe Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, and we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list. And all our social media links are there too. So my guest today is Sean Jones, who's Head of Internal Communications and Acting Strategy Team Leader at the Bank of England. So welcome, Sean. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Glad to be able to join you. So you, we were saying just before we went live that uh, you were on the show a few short months ago, and yet a lot has changed since then. So perhaps just give us a bit of a, an overview of, uh, firstly, what you do at the Bank of England, but also a bit of sort of how things are impacting you and the team currently. Sure, yeah. So, um, as you said in your intro, I'm Head of Internal Communications and I've been at the bank since uh, April 2015, so it's my, my fifth anniversary uh, this month. Um, and at the moment, I'm also working across another team which leads on strategy and change management for the bank. Um, but to be honest, most of my time at the moment is taking up with the internal communication side of my role, um, given the coronavirus outbreak. Um, where we are at the moment is that um, we have basically moved our, our operating model, if you like, as a, as a central bank, from a primarily based office-based model, so four and a half thousand people um, working in a number of premises around the country, but predominantly in central London, um, to a model where predominantly we work at home, and that change has happened happened almost overnight. Um, and now I think we've only got about 100 people uh, in our premises, um, mainly people doing things that can't be done at home, such as looking after the gold and money in the vaults and making sure that our buildings are safe and secure. So for us, it's been a massive change uh, in the way that uh, we carry out our business and actually... Um, by and large, it's been amazingly successful, um, and it's a real tribute to the flexibility of the people who work for the bank, um, that they've been able to adapt 
so quickly to such a massive change in their own circumstances and in the way we work. Um, so a pretty seismic uh, change, um, but one that's not uh, unique to the bank at all. Um, pretty much, uh, I imagine, ev nearly every organisation whose uh, colleagues can work at home have faced the same challenges as us. And in many ways, our challenges are somewhat easier because we haven't had to deal with the pain of furloughing staff. Um, we haven't had to deal with uh, communicating with colleagues globally. So in some ways, our communications challenge has been easier than for others. But that's not to say that it's been simple um, and we've had to do a lot of work to get it right. Mm -hmm. So just a question that interests me in terms of your sort of technology and abilities to, to work remotely. Was that something that you'd been encouraging already? I remember your show with us previously was around uh, using social media to engage your, your people. So I'm, I'm thinking that you, you're a sort of fairly forward thinking technology type organisation already, or certainly if you've moved that quickly, <laughs> yeah, I would hope you are. <laughs> So I would say yes, um, we did have technology um, that supported uh, home working and flexible working. I think the challenge was to scale that up overnight um, so that 4,500 people by and large could safely and successfully work from home. So that's a massive challenge our technology colleagues just rose to incredibly well and touching wood here um, so far uh, the technology has held up um, incredibly well um, but as you can imagine as a central bank we do some things um, that um, contribute to uh, the national infrastructure so, for example, we run all the payment systems um, that make you, know, you able to uh, pay uh, cashless, contactless pay or pay your mortgage or backs, all those sorts of things. And those are things that, uh, you know, we, it, it, there's this, you have to accept a certain amount of risk from doing that in a different way and outside mm. of the office environment. So for most of us and for most of our jobs, it wasn't too complex, but there are some areas of the bank's work where it has been challenging and it has been really challenging for the people involved um, because they've been under you know, quite significant pressure and stress in terms of making sure that our systems stand up um, and we keep you know, the national infrastructure running at a time when things are pretty uh, tricky uh, and difficult mm. for people's daily lives. Mm, mm, yeah. So tell us a bit about what that looks like for you as head of internal comms, because, you know, first of times it's a busy, sophisticated role to have in any organisation. Uh, how did it play out for you? We're, we're sort of five weeks in now, six weeks in, are we? I can't even <laughs> track of time in terms of uh, when it was all sort of kicking off in, uh, and, and getting people to, to then work from home. What what sort of processes did you have to go through? 
So in the bank, I think we were one of, certainly talking to other organisations, we were one of the first organisations, I think, who stood up their um, critical incident um, frameworks and infrastructures pretty early. So I was starting to get involved in some very initial dialogue about our response to COVID-19 at the end of January. Um, So we were starting to think and plan very carefully what we were going to communicate with colleagues, how we were going to Uh, you know, uh, make sure that uh, they have the right information to do their jobs effectively. But then all of a sudden, in the space of a couple of days, really, all those best laid plans started to somewhat go out of the window when we got into the phase where the government announced school closures and then ultimately the lockdown. So in some ways, it was very well planned and we had, we started early and we'd done a lot of preparatory work around our communications, but I can't say that we were terribly, um, you know, well prepared in the sense of having uh, really thought through some of the implications of a complete uh, lockdown. So um, we, we had to respond quite very quickly Um, to changing government guidance. Um, And that did create some uh, pressures um, and and stresses. But I think what people would say, and we have surveyed them, so I can say this with a certain amount of statistical uh, backup, um, is that throughout we've been, uh, at the heart of our communications is that we have been completely open and transparent um, and we've said how, as much as we can when we knew it and been very clear about when we didn't know something and just give, try to give people a bit of a sense of when we would know. Mm. Um, and that approach has been uh, quite effective in terms of our people feeling confident in our handling of the situation, um, which mm. is, and, and most importantly, that we're being um, respectful of their well-being at a very, very difficult time. Yes, yes. So the, the, the show that we're talking about today, the title of the show is Using Advocates and Champions Networks to Drive Engagement. And it's something that, in actual fact, we did plan in, you know, however many months ago when you joined us before. Uh, it, it seems to me to be even more important to be talking about this sort of thing now because, you know, presumably this is how you've been able to respond within the organisation in the way that that you have. What sort of involvement have you had with the advocates and and your champions networks? And tell tell us a bit about how that works and and how that's been beneficial. So I think the primary network, so in the bank, uh, taking this little step back, um, at the bank we have around uh, about 30-odd uh, groups of staff um, who we call champions networks. Um, so they tend to uh, come together to support around a particular topic. So we have green champions, we have what we call digital ninjas who support new technology 
um, uh, and, and uh, changes in our technology at a local level. Um, we have um, advocates around uh, plain uh, English. So a whole range and very different, uh, very sort of wide mix of different staff uh, advocate and champions networks. And sometimes those are uh, ongoing groups. So, for example, Green Champions. Um, and some of them are set up to support specific projects, um, particularly where we're looking at uh, significant uh, change in the organization in some way. Um, so that's how we sort of form and, and support uh, champions and advocates groups. We also have staff networks, as I, I know that many organizations do. So we have uh, 12 staff networks, and they, um, uh, have, they encompass a wide range of different uh, uh, types of network from um, Christian and Muslim network um, to um, the Women in the Bank network. Um, we have a, a Black and Minority Ethnic network, a Disability network, uh, through to our latest network, which is for um, uh, staff who were formerly in the armed services. So again, a very broad range of, of uh, staff networks um, and those both the networks and the champions and advocates groups are really critical for, to the way that we communicate with colleagues particularly to from a sort of listening perspective so for example um, with the uh, coronavirus outbreak and the current crisis um, our wellbeing champions have been absolutely crucial um, in both um, helping us shape our communications on physical, emotional, and financial well-being, um, but also to feed through to us um, particular issues or questions or you know general themes that they want. Um, the, our communications to convey to colleagues. So when it comes to last week, when we did uh, a survey of all staff looking at well-being and how people feel that they've been supported in their well-being at work, um, our um, satisfaction rate, if you like, um, was almost 89%. So wow. having that um, voice of um, people representing different local areas with very different business requirements, I think has um, given us that real edge of um, truthfulness and basing our communication from people's real-life experiences in a way that it would be very much harder to source if they weren't there. And also because they're coming up with ideas and, and, and coming up with initiatives and, as I said, being that conduit into their local areas so they can really understand how people are feeling, even remotely. Mm, mm. That's, a, that's a fantastic um, result in terms of 
how people are, are feeling given the situation. I mean, just thinking about sort of ongoing conversations that I keep having with you know various people. There's so much um, quite, quite understandably high emotion at the moment. People are all over the place in terms of their perspective on decisions that are being made and how people are being treated and everything else. So to to get that sort of um, positive response from your your organisation just really sort of says a lot for how you've you've been handling it and how how the networks and the the advocate groups are must must be really working within the organisation. How how do people get involved and what what's the sort of, is there a process to that or or is it quite organic in terms of what people want to get involved in how how do you sort of recruit people into them <laughs> or set them up in the first place <laughs> yeah so so it tends to be quite organic um with the bigger uh, networks uh and the uh champions groups like green well-being um and the ninjas um we we have a process whereby we can go out um, and uh, recruit volunteers through our social media platform, actually, called Bank Exchange. Um, we have a, a, a specific part of the site which is called Opportunities Exchange, and that allows people to um, uh, post up uh, opportunities to get involved in all sorts of things, actually. It could be an advocate group. It could be um, an advisory or steering group. It could be a three-month uh, secondment to another area of the bank. So it's basically there to encourage people to get involved in bank-wide projects and sort of develop their skills and career aspirations through getting uh, taking part in uh, another area of work outside their day job, uh, mm. if you like. So that's been a very useful tool for the champions uh, networks, although they, some of them did exist before that was those sorts of uh, the opportunity exchange uh, got got going. Um, but so in those sorts of with those big now very well established advocate groups, they got their own momentum, if you like, and. Uh, you know, I think the well-being champions are over there's 50 of them, the digital ninjas, there's a couple of hundred across the organisation. And it's seen as something quite prestigious, I think, to get involved in a group like that. Um, people see it as a very valuable uh, thing to put on their performance reviews. They think it shows that they've got um, a broad interest outside, um, you know, the, the narrow confines of the day job. And some of them have got very, um, you know, strong personal motivations to get involved as well, um, particularly in, in uh, networks like our mental health network and our wellbeing champions, where a lot of people come with very, very significant personal experiences that they want to contribute and want to share um, with others. So it is quite organic. It is quite dependent on what the type of subject matter and the um, uh, type of, of, of issue under discussion. Um, but we, we very rarely um, struggle uh, for uh, to get people involved um, in those sorts of groups and networks because there is a strong sort of um, 
sense in the bank of shared values and a, a commitment to sort of community um, and, and broader aspects mm. of work. So I think that I, I think that's why there was there was a lot of appetite to get involved. Mm-hmm. So from a sort of logistical point of view, as as head of internal comms, how do you and your team interact with them? So with the staff networks, the 12 staff networks, with the, uh, they actually have got a sort of network of networks, if you like, so that they have a, uh, a, a group that sits, that comes together, that bring, uh, bringing together all the sort of co-chairs um, and key people. So that's quite well organized in that sense. And that's very helpful for us in internal communications because facing into 12 different networks plus X number of advocates uh, and champions networks uh, would be, you know, it's a full-time job um, Mm. for more than one person. Um, So we tend to work very closely with um, the, the, what we call the, the, the DIF, which is our, our steering group, which brings together all the networks. Um, And that helps us as well, help them um, think about how they want to communicate certain aspects of diversity and inclusion throughout the year. Um, And where we, so for example, um, you know, we do a lot of work with the Disability Network around International Day of Disability in December. So we can sort of theme and plan our communications and make sure that they're not all trying to communicate at once, um, mm. which is quite important so that we don't overwhelm people. Um, with the networks, it's a little bit more ad hoc. And again, it tends to be with the very large uh, ongoing networks like Greens, well-being, um, uh, and uh, mental health network, for example, where we'll work with them again on their sort of key themes and key events uh, for the coming year, and then focus our communication support around those. So it is a quite a big challenge to make sure we're not overwhelming people centrally with lots and lots of different messages from different networks. So that takes a considerable amount of planning and very really close work with those groups to make sure that we're shining the spotlight on them um, mm. when they've got a, a strong message to convey. Mm. And presumably from your um, interview before about the social media platform that you're using, a lot of your interaction communication in terms of the, the messaging, for example, at the moment, is, is going through through that. So, to a certain extent, yes, um, we we have used um, Bank Exchange, our social platform, really uh, more as a, as an opportunity for colleagues to um, self help, if you like. So we've been very clear that Bank News, which is our daily news channel, uh, has been our primary trusted source of news and information. Um, when we need to um, uh, get things out to a, to a mass audience across the bank. Um, not everybody at the bank is still comfortable with using a social media platform. So we tend to use um, the bank exchange platform really 
um, to support a more of a, a listening culture and to encourage people, again, to share tips and tips. Uh, there's lots going on, uh, lots going on sharing, people sharing pictures of their pets, um, <laughs> people in their home workspace. Um, so lots of people sharing. Uh, our parents' network are doing loads of work on sharing tips about homeschooling and how they're mm-hmm. organising their kids' timetables. So it's I think it was bring your community. Was, sorry, I was just going to say, I think it was bring your child to work day today, wasn't it? Which has taken on a whole new meaning. <laughs> Absolutely. So we used to do a really big event for bring your, 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 your child to work day. But yes, it's every day is to bring your child to work day <laughs> for lots of, lots of the people across the organisation. So I think that having that sense where, you know, you can reach out to other parents in a community on bank exchange and say, look, how are you managing with your two under fives to, you know, manage your day and managing mm. your work and, and, and people feeling reassured that even very senior people at the bank who are posting uh, saying, God, this is really hard you know, and I'm really struggling and it's really difficult with both of us working and we've got two kids in nappies, you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. I I think it's come as, you know, a a real sense that people see that we are all in this together and we've all got, whoever we are across the organisation, however senior, um, we've got the same challenges um, and it's, and, and it is, um, you know, it's it's mentally draining for many many people. Um, but what our role is to make sure that work isn't um, the, the the aspect of people's lives that's having an impact on their overall well being. That's our challenge, the challenge that we've given ourselves. Really, um, mm. we can't we can't fix everything for everybody because. You know, it's a it's a very very mentally demanding situation, and people have got lots of personal pressures. But we're trying to do our best to minimise the stress and anxiety um, that may amp- impact people if they didn't feel that their work uh, situation supported their well-being, um, and you know that, that that we wouldn't put their safety and well-being at the at the heart of everything we do. Mm. That's really good to hear. In fact, uh, um, the, the show next week, which I'll um, briefly mention before we finish, is uh, an interview with Peter Cheese from the CIPD, uh, amongst other things. And one of the things he says is how the majority of organisations are absolutely prioritising well-being uh, during this time, which is, is so good to hear because there are so many challenges at the moment that you could almost forgive uh, organisations for for you know, not doing that and getting lost in all the other challenges, but it's great to hear that so many are really focusing on well-being. Yeah. And you've just, you know, you've just absolutely said that with with no prompting. I didn't tell you that's what <laughs> what he was saying. <laughs> so uh, it was good good to hear that. So um, so we just got a uh, couple of minutes left of the show. Have you got a, a top tip to 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 share with people about uh, advocates and champion networks or about dealing with the current crisis? Uh, so in terms of top tips on, on, top tips on yeah. advocacy, I think the, the one thing that we've learned is that, that it's no good having uh, setting up a network and just expecting it to sort of, you know, 
grow organically. You do need to put some, um, uh, you do need to put a bit of a framework around it. So when we launched Digital Ninjas, for example, we really focused on getting the, the, the ninja to understand what their role was and giving them lots of briefing and lots of support so that they could go away and do the job we, uh, that, they, that, that we, they were there to do. And I think the best networks and the best advocates group have got, it's not just a sort of organic thing. They do need, you do need to give them a bit of a help and support and a framework around them. So I would definitely say that. Um, and in, our, in current times, I just think the thing is, the more that, you know, whatever uh, way you do it, the more that you can keep those channels open so that you're listening to what staff are telling you and responding to it I think is absolutely critical mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well thank you Sean it's been really interesting interviewing you and um, great that we were talking about something that fits so so well for people in you know the current crisis but also will be really useful in in months to come when people are listening to to this on the on the archive so thanks for sharing uh what you've been doing and what you're currently doing uh today with us um on the show thank you thank you very much for having me and just to let you know as i briefly mentioned earlier what we're doing next we've got peter cheese who's our chair and also ceo of the cipd and david mcleod who is co-founder of Engage for Success and Joe Moffat, my co-host on this show, uh, and I uh, had a conversation with them on video this week about, again, the current situation, but also about Engage for Success and how we're moving into another phase at the current time. So uh, do tune in next week to our podcast version of that video. And in the meantime, keep well. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.